You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Welcome. I guess I want to reiterate that. Um, thank you. Thank you for serving me, my wife. Yes. Well done. The honour is all yours. Um, no, <laughs> sorry, that really threw me. Um, hey. No, no, thank you. Um, so, um, we're continuing our series, uh, Faces That You May Know But Stories That You Do Not. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've looked at, we've interviewed a number of people uh, who have incredible stories. Um, and, uh, and so tonight we're going to continue our series and, and close our series tonight uh, with, with somebody who is very close to my heart. Uh, I don't know if, if this particular gentleman remembers, but a 13-year-old Brett uh, was hanging around the church one time and, and uh, he taught me how to ram set gun. Yeah. Uh, how to use a ram set gun. And I don't know if you know what a ram set gun is, but it's pretty much like a loaded weapon um, that shoots bolts into the ground. And uh, I just remember thinking, my goodness, this man is the coolest man alive. He gets to do this every day. And, uh, but also I've played cricket with him and, and you know, he's served on so many things in, in the course of this church. He's a great advocate for this church. Uh, he's, you, know, you can see his handiwork in so many things that uh, just, you know, he helped build the Nexus wall. Uh, just, and, and there's nothing that is too small. Uh, that, that, and, and he's helped me in terms of my ministry, in terms of youth. And uh, so this evening I'm going to interview uh, an incredible friend of mine. Can we please make welcome Trevor Daniels? <laughs> Now Trevor is so excited because he gets to use the wireless microphone and uh, yeah. that's something that he's really passionate about. Is that on? Yes, yeah. there you go. Oh, well thanks for being here Trev. Um, you're welcome. You're probably going to be here anyway, uh, that's the nature of who you are. Um, but I guess, like, let's dive straight into it. Uh, you're not, you weren't a local Ipswich boy. No. Well, where did you grow up? Born in England, came over here when I was 18 months old. Uh, we moved to Rockhampton, well, 12 miles west of Rockhampton, a little place called Cabra, and I went to Gracemere School. Rode horses, learned to ride a horse at about 18 months old, just after we got here, and uh, yeah, love them. So, what, like, I guess we'll just we'll breeze through your childhood because you've had an incredible life and we want to get into that as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, but any, any childhood memories that you can recall uh, in Rockhampton or, or 12 miles out of Rockhampton? Oh, as a child? Hmm. There were, oh, there were plenty, I suppose. Um, nothing that sticks out. Uh, at school, I was a, a good student, but... Uh, you know, smart enough, but just didn't use my uh, smartness. So anyway, uh, played cricket. Um, actually, I played under 12s, I think, for Central Queensland in one game, um, and that was virtually it. There's not not a real lot of Rockhampton. I used to go and muster cattle, uh, bring the cows in at in the afternoon, put them in the shed, and then milk them in the morning. Um, this, these weren't ours, they were uh, friends of ours that were about a, a mile walk, I suppose, but nine times out of ten I'd ride the horse. Uh, and I'd help them some mornings at five o'clock to do the milking. And the milking, well, first of all it was hand milking and then they went to milking machines, which was great. Yeah. Okay, so 
Now, you moved to southeast Queensland. What age were you when you moved to southeast Queensland? Uh, I finished grade eight in, at Grossmere. That was the last grade eight at primary school. And then we moved down to a well-known suburb called Inala, one of the, you know... One of the... You know, the upper... Yeah, upper yeah the upper-class subject of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody in Brisbane says they're from Inala. Yeah, yeah, because I... You know, Pretty much. I had to. I, I think we've got, we got a photo of you around that time. Um, have we got the first photo there? There we are. <laughs> a, a young that's, Trevor that's Daniels. That's not my bedroom, it's my sister's. <laughs> so you stole your sister's Polaroid camera <laughs> and you've taken a photo with all of those heartthrobs in the background. I think we've got the Beatles. That's about all that I know. Cliff, um, Cliff Richard there, do you see? You're, yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> I don't either, but my wife likes him. Okay, so you, so you went to high school in Anala? At Anala, yes. Yes, started and I, uh, they put me in an academic. I wanted to go to industrial or I could do, you know, handiwork, blah, blah, blah. But I said, no, you're going to do academic. And I said, okay. And you wouldn't believe who was in my class. Who? Our ex-premier, Wayne Goss. I, try, I sat next to him for probably a term and tried to, you know... Get all the answers right, but uh, yeah, didn't work. And, and so, when when he became premier, he was just using all of your policies. More than likely, yeah, because he, yeah, yeah. I won't go into that because yes, he was Labour, and I know your father is very staunch Labour man. So. <laughs> I just remember, I remember all of the footage of Wayne Goss saying, "This one's for Trevor Daniels." Um, yeah, his father used to cut our hair too. He's oh. Al over at the Civic Centre. Hmm. So, high school, was it a fun time? High school? Yeah, for oh, you. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to the office lots of times. <laughs> Just because they were interested in me and helping yeah. me to guide the other people around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to pursue this academic thing and yeah. just make sure that you were hammering away at it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, when did you finish high school? Well, I wasn't as smart as they thought, so I left before I even sat for junior. I got a job uh, at Carrick's, I was going to be a cabinet maker, but my father had other ideas. He said, no, you're going to be a bricklayer. And that's what I did. And it just so happened that my uncle was a supervisor of one of these companies and straight in. Okay, so what, like, so what age were you when you left high school and became a bricklayer? Uh, I would have been 14 because I was in junior, which is grade 10, and my birthday's late in the, in the year, so I was always the youngest in the class, so yeah. So at 14, you got a full-time apprenticeship? Yeah. Yep. So I'm just looking over this side of the room. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I didn't see any of them. Yeah. 14? Yeah. And he had a full-time apprenticeship? <laughs> just saying. And I was earning $47 a week in my fourth-year apprenticeship. And I was married. <laughs> At 14? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's Carol's story. Four, four years later. Yeah. Ah, okay, so... Five years later, actually. Yeah. So, you, you pretty much... So, you hit the workforce fairly early at 14. Yeah. Yep. Are, like, so, did you have any other hobbies outside of bricklaying or, or, or working? Um, played a bit of football for South Sonala. 
We did win the Premiership one year, under-20s, and I was only about 16 then. Uh, and uh, I'd done a little bit of boxing and so forth when I was young, and uh, so I just carried on with that. Went to Dumpy Morris's gym, and uh, he was a very good trainer, so I thought, well, this is great fun. So you're passionate about boxing? Boxing? Uh, what do you want to know about it? Well, were you passionate? Like, were you oh, good yeah, at it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd, I'd train seven days a week, and uh, I was the fittest man in Anala, I reckon. Uh, but, I wasn't, but I wasn't the biggest, because I was only a you know, small-built bloke. So, um, around the time that you started bricklaying, you were amateur boxing? Yeah, amateur boxing then. I'd had quite a few amateurs. I actually fought a bloke on the 1st of January 1966, whose name's Billy Graham. But not the event. <laughs> you knocked him out and then he went on for Jesus. I can't remember that. <laughs> you knocked some sense into him and then he got crusading. Right, so, okay. yeah, so, so, boxing. Um, did, did you take it any further than just amateur fighting? Yeah, I've had quite a few amateur fights. and uh, I fought a bloke, I just can't think of his name, he was from Redcliffe. And uh, I boxed the ears off him and got the decision, and it was, a, a, they were picking people for the Olympic Games then, and that particular person that I'd just beaten easily went to the Olympic Games. But he didn't do any good. <laughs> Who's to say I would have, I don't know, but, uh, you know. There was a, you know, in, in, in the fight game, it was very, oh, what's the word? Political? You know, if, if you were... Training with Reg Layton or one of those, uh, you know, top trainers, you'd uh, get pushed in before blokes like me were training with Dumby. Yeah. And so, was that the catalyst for you to then stop amateur boxing? I, uh, that, I didn't uh, have any more amateur fights, so I turned professional and fought under a different name because I wasn't old enough to be a professional fighter. So... Can you give us that name now, or has that name got like criminal oh, convictions? Well, Terry Wild. Was, Ter that's the name I thought. Terry Wild. Terry Wild. <laughs> that's, that's a real boxing name. Yeah, it is. So, uh, yeah. so, how old were you when you were fighting under this alias? Uh, probably about 17. I think you had, to, I don't know if you had to be 18 or 21 then. I think it might have been 21 then they changed it to 18. But anyway, I. Uh, I had to fight this fellow by the name of Tony Ryder in an eight-rounder, would you believe, at Festival Hall. And uh, my father happened to be at the fight set night, and I thought, oh, great. Anyway, I didn't know that... I, I thought that he was going to be there or he wasn't. He was hummed and hard, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was hoping that he wouldn't. Anyway, I got home that night, and my father was sitting up, and he said, how are the fights tonight? And I said, no. Oh, Pretty good. He said, that bloke that fought Ryder, he should have got the decision, shouldn't he? And I just looked at him and he said, now, go and fight under your right name. <laughs> so then you fought under Trevor, Trevor Daniels. Daniels okay, yeah. fantastic. So what was the boxing scene like? Uh, once I got to know a lot of these um, fellas in the professional ranks, they... They not only did boxing and gambling and, you know, they were, there were a lot of criminals, you might say, or, you know, uh, criminal backgrounds, and 
But there were a few of them like me, you know, uh, honest and straightforward and, you know, wouldn't do anything wrong. Yeah, there's a few of us, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah like it Terry. Was, it was, uh, some of the people, it was very scary, you know. Yeah. So did you, did you have any close calls? Any what? Close calls with these kind of criminal... Oh, big time criminals. My, my one close call was a, a fellow that... This was outside of the boxing, but I knew him from there and a few other people. And I had, I once got invited to a party, and it was actually behind where Anna used to live. And there was this big fellow there that a mate of mine had given him a bit of a flog, and you know, earlier on in the year, and I was there and witnessed that. And he, for some reason, had it in for me because I didn't give him a hand. And uh, this bloke was known in. All the, all the circles, and uh, he was one of the ten most wanted men in Australia at the time, I found out. Anyway, he wanted to fight me, blah, 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 came at me with a knife and uh, got me in the arm or something, but anyway, so I saw Alan, the bloke who owned the house, and I said, you know, I think I better get out of here. He said, no, just stay up there for now and just talk with these few blokes. And as they kept going on in the night, and they got drunker and drunker and... Uh, I could see the big fellow there. And thought, oh. Anyway, Alan came over to me and handed me a 22 rifle. He said, here, go around there into that room. There's a bed there and just stay out of the way. And he goes, click, click. He said, it's loaded. And don't be frightened to use it. <gasps> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, so I stayed there for a few hours. And I don't know what I was thinking all that time or you know, what I was going to do, but it seemed to quieten down and I snuck out and bolted. I think I ran all the way back to Anala from Dara, the place was, where we were at. Oh, very, very, yeah. It's good to see they've cleaned it up now. Oh? It's good to see they've cleaned up Dara and Anala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. See, that was in Dara, but, you know, he did come from Anala. So, so you're about 19, 20 around this time? Around, uh, around about 18 then, yep. probably 18. And, and you said that you were married, that one didn't last? Yes, yeah, so I was married at 18 or not, 18 I think I was, and that lasted, I think, and I've got the notes in here, but I think it was three or four years that, that lasted, and had a daughter, she was um, about four, I suppose, when, yeah, three or four, it didn't last long anyway. Okay, so fast forward to 1978. 1978, what a year. Apparently so. Um, and uh, you met the lovely Anna. I did, yes. Tell us about that. Oh, don't go into too deep about it, did no. uh, I? I was working around in Brisbane at the time, laying bricks, blah, 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 and you'd run around, you know, with no shirt on and, you know, the... <laughs> oh. You know, beautiful suntan. Anyway, I had to, she worked with my sister at Tickles and I had to go down and give Susan some money with that. Either I owed her or she wanted to borrow it, didn't matter. And Anna said to her afterwards, Who was that spunk? <laughs> and believe it or not, her and Anna got to know each other a lot better and Anna used to offer Susan a lift home just so, you know, she could see me. Yeah, that's how. She kept knocking down brick walls just so that just you could come not back. Quite, and not quite to that extent, but, you know, yeah. 
So you guys hit it off and started dating in we did, yes. 1978? And she was already married too. Well, okay. With four children. Okay. So um, she's just a little bit old. Not much. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he, he, made, he wanted to make sure that that was in there, that Anna let the record show and let the recording show that Anna is a little bit older than Trevor. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. <laughs> it's all right. I don't have to go home and... Mm. But anyway, so 1978, and uh, talk us through your, your relationship. From 1978 yeah, like, onwards? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was in the building trade, obviously, laying bricks and drinking pretty heavily at the time. And, uh, you know, I'd get into Detroit probably every second day about, no, no, you were drinking too much, blah, blah, blah. But... Oh, and I guess, and I thought, this will get better, he'll get over this, and it didn't. I started working away and uh, drinking very heavily and coming home, you know, whenever I felt like it, give sending her money when I felt like it. Um, but that gradually got a little bit better than that before it went real bad, then it went real bad. I just had a little period there when everything was good and... And uh, we had a little daughter called Chantal, as you know. So that was 1980? Yeah, 1980, yeah. So we'd been married. Well, no, we hadn't been married. We only lived together, sorry. Shh, don't tell the people <laughs> in church. And we had a girl. We got married in 1982, uh, I so that, think. So that's, that's you and Chantal? That's us, yeah. Yep. Look at that. Oh, that's my. Look at that, honey. Must have been November. For the for the mo for the moustache. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Very very dashing. And uh, I think we got nice. another photo. Nice looking little girl. Though, yeah, you? yeah, absolutely. So 1980. Yes. Uh, Chantel was a couple of months old, and you got married. Couple Is that correct? 1982. We yep. got married. She okay. was two years old. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And uh, and so. You, you married Anna, and, uh, and then talk us through how, how that marriage was. Did, was it a continuation of the, the drinking and the working away? Yeah, it was. Um, to start with, I sort of, you know, tried to slow down, but then you get people come around and you'd start drinking, and, and uh, we had a couple of little breakups in, the, in, in that term. You know, she'd say, I don't want to see you again, or I'd just well, come back whenever I felt like it, you know, it's... Uh, and that, that happened quite often. I'd get paid on a Friday and just go out on a binge and come home Sunday night and then start all over again Monday. Uh, you know, I, I honestly don't know how Anna... You know, she does need a medal. People joke about, you know, you need a medal. Well, she deserves one. So, yeah. so like, in terms... Where would you say that your relationship with God was through this time? Through that time... Um, I did go to Anala Gospel Hall. I made a commitment there as well, but, uh, you know, I was half cut when that happened. And uh, I, I don't deny that God had spoken to me or anything, but I just wasn't ready to settle down. Uh, I actually took my older brother to one of the things that were on there and uh, he got saved and finished up pastoring that that um, church, and then uh, I think he went with the Baptist and uh, 
to this day, I think he's still there. But he, oh no, he's older than me, so he's finished. Yeah. So let the record show that Trevor's brother is also older than him, <laughs> as well. Yeah, <laughs> one of them. Okay, so let's fast forward to 1994, and uh, and so I believe that Ange, yes, invited you to, and I think we got a photo of of Ange as well. Oh, uh, that's Anna. That's Anna. No, keep going. This is, there should be... No, keep going. Oh, hang on. Stop there. We just have to mention the perm um, before we move on. Next photo. And I'm not talking about Anna. I'm talking about Trevor. Oh, next photo. There we go. That's Ange. That's Ange. And so Ange and her husband invited you to a thing called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. To come here. At this yes. church, yes. Yes, yes. They were coming to this church. Uh, yep. She'd made a, a decision down south and uh, Tony was a Christian and they finished up here and... Uh, Yes, they invited us to have Heaven's Gate, Hell's Flame. Anyway, that one. Yeah. So, to talk us through that. Uh, well, we came here that night and saw that and we thought, wow, that's not a bad church. I can't remember where we were living then. Campville or somewhere over that way, anyway. Uh, and uh, we went back, came back the next Sunday and... Anna made a decision that night. Wayne Alcorn was preaching. It was around the same time as John took over the church. Um, Anna made a decision. I almost went out, but didn't make it. Uh, the next week we came here again, and John preached then. And that night I almost put my hand up and didn't. But on the Monday night, the next day, because every afternoon I used to call in up the Camp Hill pub and have half a dozen or 20 pots and then go home and, you know, all the fellas around there, hey, Trevor, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this Monday no afternoon, I didn't go to the pub. I went straight home and I well, what are you doing? Anyway, that night I was laying in bed and I asleep and I heard someone singing out, Trev, Trev. Trev had to sleep. Trev, Trev. Oh, get up, have a look. No one there. I thought it was the blokes across the road. Anyway, this happened I don't know how many times and I said to Anna, did you hear that? Hear what? People are singing out to me. Anyway, she didn't. And anyway, uh, that particular morning I got up very early and went into our little study, I guess you'd call it. This was just about when I think um, that these things come into business, you know, the computers and so forth. And uh, there was a Bible sitting there and I opened up the Bible at Ephesians and was reading it for some reason. I actually almost finished all of Ephesians on that particular morning from whatever time it was until... I went to work and I uh, rang John, I think, the next, that afternoon. That was Monday. No, no, he wasn't, he wasn't here on Monday. The Tuesday I rang John and said, um, you know, blah, 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 what was going on? And he said, oh, he said, I think uh, you're gone, mate. And I said, what? He said, he said, God's got you. And uh, he prayed and spoke to me about a few different things and... Uh, that's when I gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, so, 1994. Yeah, 19, Fantastic. Uh, 1994, yes. Yep. Uh, I think... 
Anna will tell you the dates. It's probably in there. Yeah. But anyway, so it was around 1994, and then 1995 was when I gave up drinking. Yeah. So sorry, 1995 is when you stopped drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And First so. of April. Yeah, and so that no. was your that was your last drink. Yeah. You'll have to ask Anna. I think well, it was on the back on the back of the photo. It said your last drink. Oh, and so. Tip, tipping the beer down the sink. Yeah. I thought you were tipping it into the coffee no. cup. I, was, I don't know. And so, I was drunk. And so that was 1995. And, yes. and so from then you never had a, an issue with drinking? Uh, no, no, no. I gave it all to God. And, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, just the once that I uh, sort of... I used to drink down at the Springwood pub every now and then because there was a lot of elders and brickies and stuff there. And I parked in the car park and I was going to go in and have a drink and I don't know how I was going to have them anyway because I had 20 cents on me or something. So it was a waste of time. Anyway, I drove home up the motorway and remembered when I was almost at the toll, ah, no money, how am I going to pay this? I'm going to give them a watch. Anyway, I got there and she said, how are you, sir? Oh, very good, very good. Listen, I've left. Don't worry about it. I told her I'd left my money, blah, 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 at home. She said, don't worry about it. The man in front has paid yours. And I thought, oh. So that was, you know, that was God straight away. You know, I, I knew that. Yeah. So 1995 changed your life. Yeah. Let's fast forward to 2000. And uh, you, you, the early 2000s, you, you had a couple of challenges. A couple? Well, you, a major challenge, a challenge that nobody ever wants yeah, to face yeah, in yeah, their yeah. life. Well, a bit before that, I had the, uh, in 1997, I think we were coming here, and that's when I had the uh, operation, 12 or 15 hour operation, that was cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told I'd never move this arm because they cut a nerve or something or other, but we did a lot, a lot of praying and... Uh, I got up one morning and, you know, that, that's, that's the arm I could never move. So, so you'd already seen God heal you of cancer near your mouth yep. and, and that broken nerve in your shoulder. That's when that was from. We're all yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. And then the early 2000s, you get some terrible news. Can you, can you tell us about that? Um, I'll have to look up what year... Oh, I can't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter about the year, I don't think. Anyway, yes, uh, I was away fishing with Walshy and um, I got a phone call from Anna and uh, she said that Chantelle had been called into the hospital, blah, blah, blah. They thought she had something or other, but it was cancer. Oh. What, how bad? Oh. Anyway, bawling and bawling and bawling. So I got... Um, I can't remember who it was now, Michael... Linkstad. Linkstad, yeah. He, uh, he drove my boat back over because we were right over at uh, Talabudra, or not Talabudra, um, anyway, one of those islands. And he uh, took the boat and dropped me off at home. And uh, from there on, we just waited and waited. And Chantelle was diagnosed with lymphoma, uh, Non-Hodgkinson, is that correct? Where's my wife sitting? Over there. Uh, yes, and uh, just cop we had to cop that 
that sweet, like the early, early part. And Chantal had two children at the time, uh, uh, Katrina and Dawson. I, th I think we've got a photo. Can we have the photo with the kids? I think Katrina was six then. Hey? Three. Okay. There you go. Uh, anyway, uh, where are we up to? So uh, Chantelle had just been diagnosed with um, cancer at that yeah. point, and uh, so you're waiting at the hospital. You're what? So you're waiting at that point. Yeah, yeah, we were just waiting. Um, see, I don't know how long, but we had, oh, you know, the whole church virtually had been up to visit her, Francina and their cell group were there. You know, I don't know how often, but a lot. Uh, my wife, Anna, was sat by her side every single day from virtually daylight till dark. And, uh, you know, I honestly have, don't know anybody that could have done or would ever be able to do what she did in those days, you mm. know. You know, I said she wants a medal for... Yeah, yeah. You know, she needed... Deserve more medals. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, so, talk us through that process. So, obviously, the church was a big factor in, it, in getting, yes, helping yes. you. All the support, and you know, we were over next door and all sorts of things. Uh, uh, all the, the small groups were, were praying. And uh, she, she went into remission, and uh, was, wow, this is great. And uh, she was still having a few little issues. And later on, I'm not sure what year or how long it was, whether it was that same year that she started to get sick again and we took her into the hospital for a checkup. And, uh, or, well, we're to the part that she had to go to, she knew them all there. And uh, they, they asked us to leave the room and Anna and I left the room. And uh, the nurse came out afterwards and she was white. She said, look, I'm terribly sorry, but... Uh, Chantel's past. Well, what? What do we do? We just... Anyway, another nurse came running out. No, no, we've got water back. And I thought, oh, yes! So anyway, my daughter was not passed away then and uh, they put her into hospital and put her into uh, the emergency ward for a, an operation straight away. Uh, so there was probably... We got on to quite a few people. My brother, my brothers, sisters, Anna's brothers, I think, came up. Uh, Pastor Steve Walsh, Marie Dixon. I'm not sure if John was there that night. I don't think so. But anyway, there was a, the church was well represented there. And so he gave her an operation and uh, she had cancer of the bowel. Finished up putting the bag on her. And, uh, but oh, just before I get to that, I, we were all in there praying. And I don't know, it must have been for hours and I went and walked into another room and sat down and just prayed and cried and screamed to God to, you know, for this to come out good. And uh, we came, I came back out of that room, sat down, and the phone was up on the wall there and it rang. I grabbed it. Yeah, what? Uh, got some good news for you. Chantal has pulled through. I thought, Whoa, you little beauty. And we celebrated. Uh, but she did stay in intensive care for quite a while. And, uh, and so the mood, like the, all of the people that were there were celebrating with oh, you? Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was tremendous. You know, and, so, and we give God all the glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would it have been a struggle if the church wasn't here? 
Oh, we what would we have done? You know, sat there holding hands and just mm. you know prayed. And, yeah, yeah. But you know, God says we, there I am with two or three mm. gathered, and you know there was twenty or thirty gathered there, and it was you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, and uh, we thought, oh well, this is the end of it now. And, but no. And I'm the dates in there in the year two thousand and twelve. Two thousand and three. Two thousand and three. Yeah, you know, it's more than me, see? 2003. And um, Chantel's in hospital again with um, something wrong with her. And, uh, and it was the same thing there, morning to night, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, we came home on the Sunday night, I think, or the Monday night. And the next morning, Anna was going up to, I think, the bath, uh, Chantel or whatever. And we got a phone call from the uh, hospital saying she was having seizures. Oh, boy. Anna, I'd gone to work, sorry. Anna rang me and told me what was happening. So anyway, I went, got to, to the hospital that night and um, Anna um, went home, said, said she had to go home, I think, and... Uh, Chantel said, look, I want Dad just to stay here with me for a bit longer. And, you know, I thought, oh, you know, because I didn't realise how bad this was. And, uh, you know, we were sitting there talking and we left. And, sorry, it was the next day that Anna said they were getting, she was getting the seizures. And uh, she went in and I went in and, you know, to top it all off, uh, the doctor came up to me and he said, look, there's... The cancer on her brain from either last night or whatever it was, he said, and, mate, you've got to make a decision. We've got her on life support. Um, do you want us to take her off life support because we can't see in the future? Because he showed me on his computer where that cancer had gone. It had completely covered her brain overnight, you know, and uh, he promised me that he would find out from Canada or somewhere, you know, what this was all about, blah, blah, blah. But I never got an answer on that. But anyway, uh, he said, you know, it's up to you to make the call. Take her off life support and let her have a, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, a dignified. Dignified, pass. yeah. Pass dignified indignity. And, uh, you know, that was a big biggest, well, the hardest question I'd ever been asked, and I think Anna was in there with me by then. And I said, no, I can't do anything yet. I just got to go and ring my pastor. And I rang John. And I think at the time it may have been their wedding anniversary or something in April. And uh, John finished up. I think that got cancelled, blah, 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 and he finished back at the church, at, at the hospital that day. And I said yes, um, you know, to the thing. Before I did, there was a nurse there that was just standing there, blah, 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 because I couldn't make this decision. And obviously she had never had to do it either because she said to me, she's going to die anyway. I said, what did you say? And I'm just about ready to... Praise God I didn't, but, yeah... So anyway, after that, it was uh, just keep praying and Anna slept at the hospital every night after that and uh, 
I slept there a couple of nights. I think Marie Dixon slept there just a bit every night. Francine, John, everybody had been through the place. And uh, Anyway, she kicked on and uh, we were singing hymns and all sorts of things in that room where they, we kept her for this, I think, Anna tells me it was a Saturday morning when she made her last, you know, sound and uh, that was it on the 12th of April, 19, I mean 2003. Yep. So yes. like obviously that's the hardest thing that a parent can do. Oh. How, how, with your history of drinking, was, was that a temptation? Uh, actually, no, it was not. Um, but all the people that I knew from those drinking days, my brothers, uncle, everybody, well, this will test him. I'm sure he'll be back on the grog drinking with us now, but stayed strong. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such an incredible thing to continue to serve God mm. and continue to trust him. And, and I mean, you, you've had your health struggles uh, even recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how, how, do you, how do you continue to trust God tell with you, that? I'll tell you this thing that happened after, later on after Chantal had passed, and it wasn't all that long, but Anna couldn't totally accept it. Like, you talk about Heaven's Gates, Hell Flames. Uh, Chantel was one of the angels in this. And when I, in one of my dreams, that was uh, Heaven's Gates, Hell Flames, uh, again, but Chantel was the one that was being led to heaven mm. by the angel, mm. which you made me feel totally at ease about whether she was in heaven or not. Mm. And another time, I, I just prayed and prayed and uh, God took me to heaven. And I could see her there, all in white. It was ah, so unbelievable. And everyone that I saw, but different places, you could not recognise anybody, but I saw this one angel saying, no, not now, not yet, not yet. And that was Chantel telling me, it's not time to come up here yet with me. And uh, that was just, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal. And not long after that, I uh, came down with a couple of doses of uh, cancer and they told me I had prostate cancer. Here you are, here's a uh, video, go and watch this. There's no hope for this going to heal, we are going to have to, no kids in here is there, <laughs> castration is the only way you're going to get around this. So our cell group and uh, all the people around us, we just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed against it. So I went back to the doctor and he scratched his head, another look, guess what, and I said, what? Well, Said it's gone. Oh, praise the Lord! And I thought that was great. So Anna was sitting in the car outside, and I go out and tell her the story, and she's all. 
and we were just about to take off. She's bawling her eyes out. And I said, what are you bawling for? I'm being healed. And she said, how come God healed you every time, but he didn't heal Chantel? And I went, oh, no. And I didn't have an answer. Didn't know what to say. I cuddled her and, you know, we got through that and... uh, I prayed to God about it and uh, God answered me one morning, it was probably about two o'clock as it usually is, and he said to me, Trevor, I've healed you so many times, I have more for you to do. He said, now let's get to Chantel. You, she, he said, Chantel is completely healed, you aren't. She will never ever have any pain again totally healed, and that's all I can say. And I thought, wow, how powerful was that? And Anna accepted that, and, uh, you know, that was the end. I thought that was just absolutely powerful. Yeah. Mm. That's incredibly profound. Yeah. So I, I guess I just want to close on, on this one question. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because it can be so easy to fall off the wagon or to fall away from church Mm -hmm. and you know you're here now it's 2019 it's 25 years since you made a decision to follow Christ um what what, how what what's the key to you staying strong and staying connected into church and and what would you what would you tell somebody that's thinking ah I don't think I should well I think the church the people like everyone that I know in here because I know that they all would have been praying for Chantel because she was such a beautiful girl. But God is the one that had these people doing that. God is the one that had taken her because there couldn't have been too much more for her here. And the way she was living with her at that time, well, uh, when I think about it now, it was probably better. But you know, it's it's still not good to lose mm. a child. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, um, I think just no matter what the problem is or what you need, what you, you know, want God, you know, to do in your life, just ask, just keep on praying. He he may not answer you for a week, a month, a year, but he will answer you and, you know. I had so many times when I could have just said, oh, forget it and, you know, back on it, but no way. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, if the singers and musicians want to join me, I, I just want to say thank you um, because your story and your testimony has, like, I mean, we've just heard a glimpse of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it is utterly inspiring. To call it anything short of that would be a disservice to it. And uh, not only have you continued to trust God through that but you've continued to serve him and uh, you've continued to build this house you've continued to build other people and you've continued to help people along their journey as well so I think that is an amazing thing you're an incredible man can we all stand and honour Trevor Daniels you know you can't do anything without thank you for listening to this podcast 